Never had it so good. 101.1 radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtv at gmail.com. This is James P. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflections, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. It is important that you realize that we're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear without interruptions. I just enjoy the opportunity to come to you and have an opportunity to share uh, different subjects with you and have a conversation that can be truly meaningful. And today is no different. You know, we all seek to have a fortune of some type. Uh, we seek, we go to work to get paid in order to get the things that we want the necessary steps to have the joy and happiness that can be derived from financial gain. And today I just want to ask the question about how is it we are we allowed or able to seek happiness and joy from the misfortune of others? And in some cases, uh, I think that is possible when it's one of those situations where the misfortune of another person is unavoidable. And so what I mean by that, I have sought joy and happiness from 
the Golden State Warriors beating Cleveland, uh, Cleveland and uh, LeBron James. Now, I don't have any unhappiness whatsoever or sadness for LeBron James. I think he deserved that beating he took and uh, that I'm just overjoyed uh, by the fact that uh, Steve Kerr and his team was able to become out victorious. And I was with them all this year because I just like that team and their dynamic. So I don't feel unhappy about the fact that there are friends of mine who are somewhat unhappy about the fact that their team got swept and they're not making all kinds of excuses. And there's the fact we have to think about um, in the stock market, every time somebody makes a gain in the stock market, there's somebody else who's not happy about that because uh, they may have made a bad choice. And so that, that kind of happiness versus unhappiness is unavoidable. But when you speak and learn and talk about how you see some of your brothers behave, uh, when they seek to take advantage of someone who's not having a good time, a good way in their lives, and they see that their misfortune can be their fortune. And how do you come to grips with taking advantage of people, whatever the circumstances may be. You know, we read about people who um, win a a huge prize and then divorce uh, or leave someone who was a major part of their lives uh, because now they feel like, hey, I can, I'm able to do what I want and I don't want to do it with them. You know, so, you know, when I'm thinking about uh, – people's misfortune, when you find a bag of money and you feel like, hey, that's my fortune, I'm not going to try to find or seek the person who who lost it uh, because this is my opportunity to have fortune. Prey on others, you know, like drug dealers who prey on others. I worked 10 years in the jail system and the thought of most of drug dealers were, well, if they didn't buy it from me, they'd buy it from somebody else. So I feel comfortable with selling something to them that I know will uh, be their demise. And so, you know, we always seeking to ask ourselves, you know, the morals, how do we feel morally responsible for people that we may take advantage of or we seek fortune from them or happiness and joy as a result of their demise. And, you know, you have to just see if you feel comfortable with that status or that situation. I know that I could not go about doing something to somebody or taking something from someone that I knew was important to them, even though it would raise my, my joy and happiness financially. And so when we're talking to each other about these moral dilemmas as we go through life, you know, trying to avoid any situation where we are the reason for another person's unhappiness. Uh, And sometimes, you know, we find it when we're entertaining the desire of being around someone that we know we shouldn't be around, 
because they possibly belong to somebody else. And so, you know, we are constantly looking at our moral values and structures and our desire to be happy, but our happiness should not come at a cost to others. Uh, Dee, what what are your time? We have an obligation as we go through life not to bring misery and misfortune on anybody else. That's one of the things that uh, that shows us that we have a long battle road in front of us. Uh, when you talk about the despicable um, attitude that some uh, some people in society have when it comes to taking advantages uh, of taking other person's uh, misfortune, you know, we've heard about hurricane victims that are uh, that. Uh, that be approached by uh, insurance companies or contractors, and that price gouge uh, the, the efforts of uh, rebuilding uh, their homes for them, or, or the clean up, and just take advantage of the situation that, uh, that that has been presented to them. And 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 regardless who it may hurt, they seem to be all right in making a profit. Um. You know, when you speak about the drug dealers, um, you know, when they uh, prey on the community that they live in, um, despite that um, kids have to be in presence of all this turmoil and, and chaos, uh, and they don't care. Uh, just, just to make a profit uh, is, is, is their own interest. Uh, we have a uphill battle, uh, step by step, stone by stone. Um, you know, we can we can pick our battle. We, there's enough um, problems in the world, and us that uh, have a moral conscience to try to do something about our situation. Uh, there's enough going around where we just pick pick our battle, and and one person at a time, one situation at a time, we can um, put forth efforts to correct some of this wrong. Um, you know. Um, uh, it, it's going to take a lot of charisma to get this done, um, and so um, you know, uh, I'm up for the challenge. You know, um, there's I do I do realize that the 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 the, uh, the efforts in trying to make the right approach, as opposed to walking in with a big stick and swinging. And, and and with the hope of it having some uh, benefit in doing so, that's that's going to be the wrong approach. Um, my approach is to uh, convey uh, messages to people that I talk to. Um, I, I have started my t-shirt, um, my t-shirt line, and I'm going to send you a picture of it. I'm going to do so this weekend. I think you'll I think you'll be very impressed with it. But it's, the effort is to get back to some kind of uh, normalcy in our own community. And of course, uh, a lot of people don't know what that is, and even in our own community, they have no idea what normal is. Uh, but the, but those of us that do have an idea of what it's supposed to be like, uh, we we uh, should be up for the fight and try to save our own community, and then we can move forward after we work on ourselves and trying to save the next community and then the world. Thank you. There is truly a level of selfishness 
uh, in all human beings, and it's something that you have to fight against. Uh, but, Cheryl, it is difficult to understand uh, people who can live their lives uh, at the sacrifice of others. You know, you when you're, you're going through life, you do have to recognize that, you know, you deserve what it is you have worked for. Uh, you deserve uh, the blessings of the God you pray to. Uh, but living life at the cost of others just doesn't seem to be reasonable to me or to be something that I could do uh, to any to any length of time. You know, to know that there's somebody out there suffering as a result of my behavior or my disdain uh, to their existence. Good evening, and how's everyone doing? You know, we we don't want that because, you know, when we do to others, we will get that back our own selves. Um, how can we live with ourselves, and how do we not think even the law of justice would not come in? And if that is not the case, our conscience should eat us up. You know, we know right from wrong, even as small children, because when you say don't do that and they know not to do it, when you, if they do it and they see you looking, they hurry up and stop what they're doing. So we as an adult, you know, and I don't know if you um, are referring to or talking about the incident that happened, and I don't know if everybody saw it, where... um, these friends bought a couch, and they found the money in the couch, and um, they found a name on it, and they returned the money. I don't. I want to say it was forty thousand um, dollars, but don't make me lie and say that's accurate. But um, and they did the right thing, and I know they felt good about it because. And this was somebody who really needed, and the couch was sold without this lady being aware. And it's one thing that I teach my children. You know, if you ever find a wallet, the information in it is the person that it belongs to. It does not belong to you. And your job is is to contact that person and get their money, their wallet, any belongings that's in it back to them untouched. So, yeah, we do have a responsibility um, because people who think they're going to get away with it, they only get away with it so long, and they um, it catches up with them. There's a, a fear that I, I, am, I have when it comes to getting a reward or money unjustly. And I just believe that, you know, you lose twice as much as you receive when you allow yourself uh, to take advantage of another poor person's misfortune. And, you know, it, it it is just a reality, and some people believe it and some people don't. Uh, but I just believe you lose double because it doesn't even matter if you don't get caught or not. If, if you don't seek any effort whatsoever, to return money to someone who has lost it, then it suggests that you are 
involved in the theft. Uh, I don't even care if it was just accidentally left somewhere or it was, um, you know, that uh, somehow somebody dropped it and, and you found it, and you, you know, but if you can talk yourself into keeping it, then you, it is a, to me, you are part of the uh, injustice. Ms. Douglas, what, what are your thoughts about ill-gotten gain and uh, getting joy or happiness off of the uh, misfortune of others? Well, good evening. And um, I'm certainly not an advocate of someone receiving happiness or joy based on the sacrifice of another individual. Um, I think it all goes back to a person's environment, their conscious, their mental state, because if anyone can find fortune in another's misfortune, there has to be some type of mental instability in that particular individual, because that's just not how the world revolves. You know, I'm a big advocate of karma, and I think that things will come of what goes around will eventually come back around. So I don't think that anyone who feels that that's okay to profit from another's misfortune is, is someone that is going to receive good luck or good fortune, you know, further down the line. Yeah, it is just obvious to me uh, that we live, in a world that I believe has universal rules. And when you refuse to to obey those universal rules, uh, then you are putting yourself at risk. Uh, you know, I, I had a discussion with someone once, and they said to me that they believed everybody had access to the Bible. And what, <laughs> excuse me, and what I thought when I heard that was, wow, you really don't know that there are people in parts of the world who don't have access to a Bible or whose government won't allow them to have a Bible or they'll go to jail. And so you just really uh, just don't know the, the, the depth of where how the privacy uh, people find themselves in. But even at that, I believe that all human beings are aware of universal rules. Uh, they are aware when they take advantage of somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband or they steal somebody else's pig or somebody uh, steals, takes something that not doesn't belong to them. So I believe there are universal rules that are in, in our spirit that keep us uh, on the right track regardless of whether we uh, have a religious connection or not. Uh, so, uh, Cheryl, I know that everybody has an opportunity to delve within themselves and see if they're doing the right thing. And so that, that's why it bothers me so much when you have young people uh, who are out there selling drugs and the like who are destroying lives and destroying families, and they will say, hey, well, if I don't sell it to them, somebody else will. And that they just don't see the damage that they're doing to individuals, to families, and to communities, uh, and going on and spending that money on on themselves or their families, as though that there won't be any repercussions. I, I feel like, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Cheryl, and then we'll go back to you, Miss Douglas. 
Go ahead, Cheryl. When, when we when we witness people like that, you know, they don't care, and they don't have. First of all, they don't love themselves, and they don't love others. So, it's not that we should be shocked or surprised at their behavior, because they have no love of Christ in them, and care nothing about anybody else. All of their thinking about is making a dollar. Um, to them, they look at it as simply a business transaction. And just like you said, if they don't get it from me, they're going to get it from somebody else. But then why it, do it have to be you? And then the next person, why do it have to be you? So it's if it stops circulating, then nobody would be able to get whatever the goods is that they're trying to sell it. But just being one individual, you know that you've done the right thing by not putting this out here and not selling it to someone that you know that is taking their money from their family. Um, And I understand, you know, we all have free will. We all have choices. We can always make the decisions that we want to make, whether good or bad. But don't let me be a part of it. You know, don't let me participate in it. Because just like you say, everything that we um, sow shall we reap as well. So we can, you know, we don't have to go there. Uh, Ms. Douglas, your, your thought? Well, and when you were talking about how uh, everyone really does not have access to a Bible, but you feel like there's some moral standards that everyone should possess, and I feel the same way that there's a moral code that pretty much resides in every individual. But the issue is as to what layer, how deep is that embedded into that person? Some people's moral code of conduct is higher than others because they can do one thing and they say, okay, that's wrong. I know that's wrong. Whereas others, it takes a little, it takes a little digging and it takes a little bit more illumination to get to that point within that person for them to feel some type of, insufficiency to say that was wrong what I did. They don't see anything wrong in their actions, their reactions, or their words. And I think it goes back to people kind of having selfish needs, and they let their selfish needs kind of supersede the feelings of others. They feel like if I'm happy, then I can do this at the the expense of someone else. So I think that's what a lot of times it comes down to. People's own selfish needs are put ahead of each of others' needs. And I can see that in, in, in on the job, you know, in environments, in families. It's like I'm trying to get to a certain place, and if I have to step on another individual to get me to my place, then I'm okay with that. If, if I got to aim this target at you, it may not be personal, but you're almost like a casualty doing this trajectory that I have for my life. I've got my life planned one way. All I have is tunnel vision. I want to do this. I want to get this. It's all for my own selfish reasons. And whatever happens along the way happens along the way. And that's just because their moral code is probably embedded a little bit deeper than somebody else that wouldn't do that at the expense of someone else. Well, I listen to what you're saying, and I believe that you're you're correct. But one of the problems I have is, is that I don't think my creator requires me to step on anybody else to reach my goals. And I guess that's just how I've been taught, that there is a reward or treasure out there for me 
that doesn't have to, I don't have to, I don't get it because somebody else is not getting it. And, you know, a lot of who I want to be as an individual is predicated on the fact that I want to to be in a position uh, to bless others. Uh, you know, it's not just about me having a blessing, uh, but I want to be able to make decisions related uh, to can I intervene in the life of another person. And when we are selfishly living our lives, such as not to be a blessing to others, it says something about who we are. And uh, I don't think that my creator created this opportunity for me uh, to just be fat-catting it and not look around me and see who else might need some inter- need me to intervene on their behalf. And so uh, I I take a I take it very seriously that you know people need a hand from me from time to time, Cheryl, uh, that I'm just not living this life all by myself. No, we're not. um, And, you know, I guess I was just thinking um, when you were talking about the conscious of each person. Um, We do all have conscious whether we uh, want to ignore them or to acknowledge them, we do. And we're not in this world by ourselves, you know. And I can't understand, but you know what? Um, Everybody's not at the same place. Everybody does not think the same, you know. And when we think about the different the amount of people that have ripped off individuals, you know, what brought to mind was Madoff. The, I mean, he cared nothing about the people who he said he said that they were his friends, but they were he was never no one friend, and got them to invest their life savings to help him to live off of, you know, and it didn't faze him one way or another. You know, to me at that point, you had disconnect yourself from reality. You made it all about you and all about material things and believed <coughs> excuse me, that you would never get caught. But it it's not so. You we all will have to answer to everything that we do. And I don't care if it takes five years, ten years, however long it takes, we all have to answer to the things that we do. Because that's his way, God's way of chastising his children at some point. And to me, uh, Mr. Douglas, there's a level of comfort that I have as I go about my way, uh, knowing that I I feel like I'm giving a lot more than I'm receiving, and I don't have to deal with the fact that uh, I may have taken advantage of someone. Because that is, that is just, to me, an unbelievable, an unlivable kind of situation. Uh, you know, even if I were to win a million dollars or a lot of money in a lottery and uh, somehow or another someone else felt that they they deserved some part of that, I could not sit and, and suggest 
uh, that, you know, if you had a, you know, sometimes you hear about these groups and one person wasn't able to give uh, that particular week and they win and then the whole group decides, you know, well, too bad. I, I just cannot imagine having more money than I need and not seeing it, seeing my way uh, to giving someone else a blessing. Yeah, I agree with that. I I try to help every individual that I encounter. I encounter a lot of individuals, especially through my field of, uh, through my job. I encounter a lot of different individuals with a lot of different perspectives from a lot of different religions, a lot of different cultures, races, backgrounds, opinions. And, And I am aware that, and I respect everybody for the place that they're in, and just as though I would want them to respect where I am. But I do realize that everybody is not in the same place at the same time. And when you were saying that, you know, you don't believe that, you know, your God will let somebody take advantage of people. But people take advantage of people every day. I see it every day. You know, even when somebody decides to take their life and someone else's life, that's very selfish. You know, if you're unhappy, then that's something you should deal with. You shouldn't bring other individuals in it. But you're taking advantage and cutting short somebody else's life. In politics, I see that. On the job, I see that. People are always taking advantage of somebody else and trying to use them as a catapult to their next level of what they're trying to do. As much as I don't want to believe it, I see it every day. So I'm forced to say that everybody doesn't think the same way I think, and everybody may not be at the same place. I'm not at the same place I was five years ago, ten years ago, that I've grown, but it may just take them a little bit longer to get to that place where they'll have some type of morality or some type of integrity where they understand that that's not how I get ahead and that's not how I'm going to succeed in life by taking advantage of another person. And we sometimes live in a system that corrupts us like that, Um, Cheryl. You know, we live in a system where people uh, seem to be to overindulge themselves to a degree uh, that they don't see uh, the needs of others. And I guess what I mean by that, you know, we have people who earn tons of money in a capitalist society but yet don't want to provide health care uh, to, to the poorest of people. And it just seems like in a, an environment where you can be richer than than necessary, have two or three homes and five or six cars, but yet you can say, well, uh, they have to pay for their own health care. I just don't understand the morality and the unconcerned behavior of American people. Well, you know, that's what we call selfish. Um, When people only think of themselves, uh, they're not willing to put themselves in another person's situation, whereas, you know, what they believe that they're doing is right. Um, They think nothing of. They feel like, you know, if I got it, then you should have it too. They don't understand that everybody has different circumstances, situations, you know, um, and that a lot of people work very, very hard and and still struggle. But, you know, I'm with you all as well. Um, I'm a person that's very given. When I see someone in need 
and meaning unselfishly give. Because I can say, you know, I was going to get this for myself, but if I see somebody else in need, I'd rather provide that for them, whether it be help with keeping their lights on or whether it's help, you know, providing, you know, certain things. And, you know, not only that, I'm a director of my mama's ministry. And, you know, we have yard sales as a fundraiser. But because the community we live in, you know, you can buy a nice suit for $5. You can buy um, tops and pants, 50 cents. And, you know, and the reason why is because people are donating this to us. And we are only trying to make something, but we also want the community to be able to have. You know, one lady came yesterday because we had a yard sale, and she said, oh, I love my suit that I got. And when we're talking about really nice things, and not only that, even household items, we don't sell anything probably over $5. And what it does is it's giving back at a very, very low cost, but still whatever they um, give the ministry, the ministry still get back, give back because we are helping, you know, children with school supplies and things to provide for education and elderly people. And, you know, so you don't have to make a killing off or try to make a killing off of everybody, you know, just a little bit of something. And, you know, people want to help. Because those who have a little bit more and they um, items may come to three dollars and they give five, they say keep the change. So we all have the ability to do those things, but people who are selfish don't see it at the same level as others do. Well, it is obvious to me that selfishness can be a part of any economical status, uh, that there are people who have very little uh, but cannot see giving anything to their neighbor. And you can see rich people who have everything who also are are just not, don't have a spirit of giving even when they they have a lot. You know, they say much uh, goes uh, you're gonna to have to help me, Miss Douglas. What is it? Much who is given is much has to do with too much, what is that? Too saying? much is given. Too much is given. Much is required. Right. Somehow there are people who just don't seem to get that. That uh, when you go, when I have to tell you that I went to South Carolina State, graduated from South Carolina State, and there has not been a time in my life when I could not feed myself or I didn't have shelter. And so being that that has been my life, I don't feel like I can just ignore uh, people who find themselves in situations where they are unable uh, to to have the things that I've had all my life. And so, uh, Ms. Douglas, when you you find yourself being uh, blessed, it's hard to understand why you don't, why people don't seek to be a blessing. 
I think I think the reason again goes back to the individuality and and people speaking based off their environment, their experiences, or their education. Most people try to develop values at a young age, and most of the time it's through their parents. Everyone's not raised in the same type of an environment, whether it's a single family home, a, a home where there's two parents, if the two parents are you know maybe working a lot or you know, you got latchkey kids, whatever their values are, they develop those at a young age. And then at some point when they start to enter adulthood, they can be tainted through schools, through friends, through the environment, television, uh, magazines. And, and that's why I feel like a lot of times we don't look at things from another person's perspective. We're saying that, well, if I did it, they should be able to do it. But you don't know what their circumstances are because you're only looking at a small piece of their puzzle. You're just looking through their window. You don't know the totality of their life and what they've been through and what they've had to sacrifice or what they've had to go through to get them to the point they are. You're just saying, well, because I did this, you know, then they should be like this. Or if, if I was able to do this, then they should be able to do this. But but that's just not in actuality the same way that people think. I don't know what goes on in a lot of people's minds, you know, when, when they see th- when I see things on television and say, oh, you know, he killed this person or, oh, they did this at the school. And I always think, like, what is going through their mind? It has to be something that's off balance to make them feel like this is okay or to participate in such, in my, in my book, horrific activities. So I, I just don't know, you know, why people do certain things. But, again, I'm just going to go back to the point that everybody's just not on the same level as far as their morality is concerned. And when you express it that way, it it leads you to believe that they are missing something in their ability uh, to have empathy. And so, Regina, when we are looking at these people and looking at the world around us, and we see that uh, our society sometimes don't have any empathy uh, for those people who are struggling, it makes you believe that uh, their consciousness has something missing. Um, hi. Uh, uh, yes, I, I guess you are. You are correct, but there are just so many people who are not giving or who will say, well, um, so-and-so got themselves into that situation. I'm not helping them. And it's it's so sad. It is so sad. So sad. I, I, could, I could really share my story, and James, you know it. And it's just so sad. People go through stuff that other folk could really help them out with, but because someone's looking from the outside in, and when you look at these folk who you decide you're not going to help because they had no, quote, unquote, had no business getting to, into that situation, a lot of times there are, are back reasons. For instance, you may have insurance, but does your insurance fully cover the medicines that you've got to purchase? Or do they allow you to get the generic? Does your insurance say you have to pay the hundred and something dollars for the 
for the um for the the other the the main brand you know it, it's just so many things and like I said, I'm, I'm going to shut up before I say too much. Well, we recognize that we're all placed in situations uh, that are not normal sometimes. You know, I, I sit and, and marvel at the fact that we have a country that is one of the richest countries in the world, but yet it does not want to sacrifice uh, to assist others in having um, medical care at a reasonable price, uh, that they don't mind throwing millions and millions of people off the insurance rolls, Cheryl, when uh, they're going to benefit uh, because it's going to reduce uh, the price for them. And you see this as we look at uh, our party division. And I find it difficult uh, to support anybody that is Republican because they seem to to have no empathy for the poor. And I don't see anything that they do that suggests that they, they're willing uh, to make laws or create services that will give the poor an upper, uh, a hand up. Well, you know, um, a lot of them don't know what it is like to struggle. So when they make in business decisions, it's based upon what they know. And if that's what they know, then that's what they go with. <clears throat> Sometimes we are expecting something from others that they are not capable or they are not willing to give. And whichever one is the case, um, that's why a lot of times they make the decision that they make. So that's why it's always so important that we know the background, we know as much information as we possibly could when we elect people into office because we want them to have a mindset where they are there to help the people that it's not where they're there to serve themselves and whatever's going on. So we have that we have that responsibility um on us as far as selecting who we have in office. That's why we have to get out and do our part and vote, educate ourselves on who's running for office. <laughs> Ms. Douglas, it, it is obvious uh, that, you know, when you speak about the mental health of people and the fact that there is something amiss that allows them to do things not only to people outside themselves, uh, but even to their own children, and that we realize that there are people who just don't have the ability or the wherefore to care about what their actions might mean uh, related to the lives of others. Uh, they only are about themselves. But then do we treat them treat that as a sickness or continue to just deal with it as, uh, as a criminal activity? I think it's an issue that needs to be handled on a medical basis because 
I don't think I, I feel like you should be punished for things that you do, but I still think that the mental illness has to be addressed. But the problem I feel like is that no one will admit that they have any type of mental condition. You never really find out until it's too late because a lot of times we we put on our social masks every day to go out in public and, and everybody always say at the end of the day, I never saw it coming. Because we, we are encouraged to put on our social masks. We're encouraged to smile every day. We're encouraged to say, yeah, everything is fine when someone asks us how things are going, when there could be struggles behind that mask that we're wearing every day. So it's almost like as a disadvantage and you're seen as an outcast if you feel as though, hey, I'm having this issue or I'm having a problem in this particular area or I'm stressed out about this or these are the things that bother me or this is what pushes my button because then you seem like you're outside of what society has deemed as the norm. So these people will never say anything. They'll just get to a point where they can't stand it anymore, and then we see tragic conditions that happen on the news, and then their family gets on and say, well, we never saw this coming. No, you never saw it coming because if so, they would have felt like they would have been judged for the thoughts that they had or the, whatever they're going through at that particular moment because they're still just trying to fit in and be – quote-unquote normal like everybody else wants them to be. Uh, Regina, you know, I always come to you when it's related to the responsibility of of educators to somehow um, circumvent parents who are unwilling to see the negative behaviors in their children and recognize that their children are displaying behaviors that as adults might cost them their freedom. And so we have, uh, I believe, have a responsibility to teach morality and goodness and kindness uh, uh, in, in the the school environment. You can teach it in the school environment by the way you interact with the children and by the way you interact with your coworkers. But um, I've been told that you cannot legislate morality. So there are things that we know are wrong that should not be occurring. Um, For instance, not seeing a parent the entire school year, not able to even pick up the phone and contact the parent via phone or via text. We cannot make parents do what they're supposed to do. So we just have to be examples for the children, and hopefully that will um, transfer to their to their home lives. As a society, I just truly believe that we have an obligation uh, to reduce the kind of mental illnesses that create the selfishness uh, that people seem uh, to have in their lives to the point that they're willing uh, to create evil opportunities on on the lives of others. I just believe that, you know, after 10 years of service that I gave uh, to the jail system through the educational system, I realized that there are some good people in the world who just have not received the kind of moral learning that they need 
uh, to keep them out of trouble. So, Cheryl, there are a lot of people who just have some stinking thinking in their heads that just don't allow them to see the need to understand when they're taking advantage of others. They just feel like, oh, this is this is my right. I I have to do what's in my best interest, and so I don't care about how it affects or impacts other people. You are so right, and you hit um, the nail right on the head when you said about the thinking, thinking of others, because you can't tell them that what they are thinking or the actions that they take is not right. Um, they are fixed on their thinking. This is something, um, you know, just like you think one way and I think another way. Um, and, you know, we got so many different people that think differently. And um, I wanted to hit on, um, talk about when you said something about, when you talked about mental illness and not really knowing the, um, you know, a per, a person who they really are. And I can say that because I was there, and I know everybody who listens regular and, you know, everybody that's on the show regular know that I was on 17 different prescription medications at one time. And believe it or not, getting off of the medication, I realized that the medication had me, although I was taking medication, one of them or a couple of them for depression, it made me more depressed, gave me more anxiety because I also was taking medication for anxiety. Um, I put a mask on every time I had to go to the doctor's office. Uh, When I went to Bible study in church, those were the only three places that I went. Didn't go to the store, didn't participate in my son's um, life at school, Um, couldn't do none of those things, but I mustered up enough. And then when somebody called me on the phone, I could be sleeping on my mask. And I would take it off and pretend like I had been up all day from the tone of my voice. So, yeah, we can put on very, very well, and nobody can know what actually is going on. But with God's help, I was able to get off of all of that. And I learned so many things that I did that I couldn't believe that I did because of a result of medication that was supposed to help me, but it had me not in my right mind. And I also thank God that I spent most of my time, you know, the 18 to 20-some hours sleeping where my stinking thinking or my mental state of mind didn't allow me to get so much um, into the lives of others or out here to where I did more than what I did because just within the family, I did things that I couldn't even believe. And when I say that, it's not anything bad. I've been a seamstress, and my sister gave me my nephew's suit to alter. And evidently, I must have pinned it, and I didn't remember. And I gave it right back to her maybe months later with the same pin in it. 
And today, I don't remember none of it. I don't remember none of it happening. And like I told y'all, I was I have been the director of my mama's ministry. I made yard sale signs. Never put the address on the yard sale signs until somebody noticed that. So sometimes the things that we do is a result of other things. And I know I did some things that was caused by the medication. And I noticed when I got off, I was able to think more clearly. I was able, I'm able to now participate and do a lot of things in life that I feel like now I'm just catching up on. But I can tell you something. The medication for depression and anxiety will make you more depressed and give you more anxiety till you feel hopeless, you feel like you're not worth living, that you people around you don't value you. So when I see those that commit suicide, you know, it's not that I, I can't say that I understand to the very closeness degree, but I truly can understand. I truly can understand wanting to check out because you feel like you're trapped in a body and you feel like you don't know who you are, but you have no way of getting out. And that's why I say that, you know, in the job situations that we should evaluate um, mentally those that are employed, especially on the police force, we talked about the FBI, those things, because, you know, the things that they see, the mental state and their mind change, the medication, you should also know what they are on. And because all of this plays a part in the way of the behavior of a lot of people. I'm not saying everybody, but it does when it comes to mental um, so it is more serious than we know, and we have so many people that's walking around that's been on medication all their life, and their situation has not even changed, and they've become they've come on more medication. Like say, for instance, ten years you were on high blood pressure medication, and ten years later you still on it plus some more and your situation has not changed, your pressure has not gotten any better being off of it. So mental state is very, very seriously, and we should take it very, very seriously. Uh, Ms. Douglas, let me ask you, in terms of people trying to live their lives and having success in their lives, but they come from an environment that is embedded some type thinking, thinking in their heads. Why is it so difficult to help them see that their the path that they've taken haven't given them the results that they should get, and that maybe they need to, to deal deal with life in a different way? And it all goes back again to the mindset and the values that that person probably has grown up on. And, you know, I look at a lot of states for for men, for example, you know, they're taught not to express themselves or not to have feelings or not to have emotions. 
you know, they have to be strong, they have to be hard. So a lot of times if there is something that's bothering them, they're going to keep it to themselves because that's not how a man should act or that's not how a man should feel. They they, they shouldn't have that vulnerable that vulnerability about them. So that goes back to how they were raised and their values and everything. And a lot of times people really don't have anyone to talk to. They a lot a lot of people judge people on different things and if you tell them something they're like they get amazed or they're like what I can't believe it so you did what and it's like you it's hard to find somebody with a very non-judgmental mind that's very open to accept things that you say to help to help you without judging you and trying to condemn you and make you feel lesser than and that's why a lot of people close themselves off or they don't want to talk about it, or they'll put on their social mask, or they'll do different things that you don't understand because they really don't have anyone to talk to. I don't know what their background was. A lot of people, you know, with, with like I said, a single families, or they may not have had a brother or sister or even a friend that they can confide in. So they internalize a lot of things. And when you internalize a lot of things, that pressure is going to continuously build up to a point where you can no longer go out and perform for everybody um, in the community, and then you're going to do something that nobody ever saw coming. Yeah, it is surprising that we live in a nation uh, that has that happening constantly. You know, you have young men and women, well, not so much so much women, but young men who find themselves so angry uh, that they they do something that, it's so vile and contentious uh, related to uh, human existence. Uh, so, uh, Regina, we, you know, you and I, again, after all we've done, we see some of the things that lead us to believe that there are going to be problems down the road, uh, but a lot of parents don't see it. And I guess we've seen it because been in the game so long uh, that we've had the misfortune of seeing young people um, really play out some of the evils that are in the minds of in their youth uh, play out in their adulthood. Yes, we, um, you know, the odd thing about, about this conversation is that it seems to have moved from from when we were children we we had people in the neighborhood who were devilish uh manish womanish ominish as some people say and um and and we knew it somehow wasn't as big of a of a deal or a, a pointing of the fingers as it as it is now, or a the school has to do something about it. It was it was like okay, I had a, a young man in my fifth grade class, and it, you know the teachers would help him, the mom would come to school and try to help him. He'd fight everybody, we'd fight him back. And we'd go on. In fact, I had a teacher to tell me, if that boy hits you again, you better knock him out. So then you grow up, and stuff happens in their life. But I don't know. It, it just seems to be a different mentality 
these days. I'm just not sure how to explain it. Um, why, why do I have to be the, 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 the more of a savior than what I would normally do in my job as a good educator? I hope that that makes sense. I'm a good educator. I love the children. I teach them right from wrong. What else do I, why is more expected? But, uh, Regina, it seems to me that I used to ask my same question. I would lay out a, a thought process that would not get over to my inmates. Uh, that I would say what I thought made sense, but they just did not or were unwilling uh, to grasp it and retain it or even use it. And so, you know, a lot of times when you are battling the environment that these people come from, can't get the success that you think you ought to have because they go home to a place that is going to speak against everything that you've said. You know, so just those few hours of mm-hmm. sanity doesn't offset the insanity that they get every day. So, so then you know, why kind should of, I? Why should I, as a teacher, be penalized and fingers be pointed, and I can possibly lose my job because of 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 these? Things when we know the children may have mental illnesses, and it's just a matter of their parents taking them to the doctors to get help. School gets penalized. Other children get penalized by the way the children act in school, causing other children to lose out on their education. But the people who need to be giving extra or giving anything aren't doing anything and nothing said to them. Well, I, I think it just has a lot to do with our society. Uh, Ms. Douglas, I think a lot of times people want to put the blame uh, somewhere where they can find accountability. And those places where there's no accountability, they feel like, well, ain't no sense in putting it over there because, uh, nobody's going to do, we, you know, we don't have any strength over there. Uh, so there are always uh, social programs that are being held accountable uh, for their results, but yet aren't given the tools uh, to uh, make sure the po- positive things happen. Yeah, I think we just a lot of times, like to point the finger because it makes us feel better versus trying to look in the mirror and evaluate ourselves. I know that there's nothing I can do to change the mind or the actions or the words of other individuals. So I have to put myself in a place where I have to do some construction on myself as an individual to understand that, hey, everyone doesn't think the same way that I think. Hey, everyone wasn't raised the same way that I was raised. Hey, everyone doesn't have the same issues or problems that I have every day. They have other problems. So that's why it's hard for them to see things from my vantage point. 
so I have to constantly put myself under scrutiny and evaluation on a daily basis and look at every opportunity and every experience that I have as a learning opportunity so I can see and extract the lesson from whatever is going on in my life rather than see it as like a target, that someone's targeting me. That it's, it's, it's not all always about me. I don't take it personal when something happens. I try to extract the lesson, whether I can learn about a different personality, whether I can learn a different emotion. I, if someone's frustrating me, I can learn temperance. I just have to put myself under evaluation. And a lot of times, People won't do that. They, it's easier to just point the finger and say, if you, if you hadn't said that to me, I wouldn't have reacted that way. No, you really could have had a choice of how you reacted. And a lot of times we don't really think about the consequences. We'll, we'll say, I have a choice in whatever I want to do, but the consequence or what's going to be on the other end is really not going to be your choice. So if you decide to break the law or if you decide to to lash out at someone, just be ready that the, the the book may not end the way that you wanted it to end or the way that you envisioned it. So I just really think sometimes if we can find that person that we can talk to with that judge, non-judgmental attitude or if we're strong enough to put ourselves under scrutiny or a self-evaluation, a lot of times a lot of things or issues that we have or stressors that's causing us, you know, frustrations in life can, can actually kind of be minimized a lot. Cheryl, it is so interesting uh, that as we go about our way and we struggle to to, uh, intervene in the lives of others, uh, that they see us as um, the predator. Uh, They don't want to hear us talk about the kinds of things that they're doing that, uh, that may be destroying their lives because they enjoy doing it and they don't want to be deterred from that that makes them happy. Now, when you say that they're doing, what in particular are you talking about that people are doing? Well, I'm just saying people, some people enjoy the life that they're living, the one that allows them to uh, be alcoholics and uh, be drug addicted, and they are uh, going about their way being in that that world that is uh, destroying them, and you talking against it uh, makes you uh, the person that needs to uh, to to check yourself. You know, I, I don't I, I I like who I am and where I am, uh, and despite that you think it is uh, not uh, helpful or not uh, in my best interest, I don't want to move from this place. Oh, well, yeah, you find a lot of people like that. I mean, they're stuck where they are. And, you know, even though some people are stuck where they are um, in the back of their mind or subconsciously, and some of them consciously want to change, but it's hard. And addiction is something that's very, very hard. Um, They, you know, sometimes people use different things to escape. They use different things to... um, block out um, certain things. They use different substances so they don't have to deal with, you know, some of the things in everyday life. Um, And they're comfortable just where they are. And because of where they are, they're not aware of what it's like to be clean and sober and to be able to make um, logical decisions and to go through some pain 
in life and know that it's going to be okay um, when you finish going through whatever the situation is. So they're not really living in reality. They're living in their own world um, and just using substances and whatever it is to comfort them while they're going through whatever they're going through. Yeah, and we, you know, we we don't want to to write anybody off because we know that whatever it is uh, that you do, the next handout that you give might be, uh, Miss Douglas, the one that will be a breakthrough. Uh, so sometimes it's difficult to turn your back uh, because you're not sure when the breakthrough might come through and when the last thing that you might say might be the thing that opens the right door. Right. That's why I feel like you have to say, if you're that type of person that wants to welcome assistance from other people or you you want to be able to be that person that attracts other people or able to help other people with their situations or just, you know, how their day's going or, or whatever, you have to remain as open-minded and non-judgmental as possible so you will attract those people versus repel those people because you never know the one word that you say or the one sentence that you say may make a significant difference in their day or their behavior or their thought process. So you have to always put yourself in a state of, of awareness and consciousness where you will be able to where you will be able to be mindful of the things that you say and not so much put your own personal vantage point on it and personal views on it, but offer that type of assistance in a way that won't allow them to, to kind of shut down or, or, or go the opposite way if your intent was to actually help them versus hurt them. All right, we're going to take a short break and come back and have it give everyone an opportunity to say their final word. You know I love music. And every time I hear something hot, it makes me want to move. It makes me want to have fun. But it's something about this joint right here. This joint right here, it makes me want to... Let it go. Can't let this thing hold up. Get away from you. Feel free right now, close the what you wanna do Can't let nobody take it away from you
when I'm walking past the mirror. Ain't hey, worry about doing what you're gonna do. I'm a lady, so I must stay classy. Gotta keep it high, keep it together. If I want to get better, we gonna change my life, my life. always do more. I 
have to admit, this summer I'm going to sort of um, do a flat line and let the works I've done speak for me for the summer and kind of take care of me this summer. All right. Are you going to take the whole summer off or are you going to still be working? I will be working on my profession or my passion. My... (laughs) My profession, I will be off by the end of next week. And my passion, which is community activism, I will, I will, I'm taking a break from that for most of that for the summer. All right. All right. I hear you. Um, Ms. (laughs) Douglas, what are your final thoughts this evening? Ms. Douglas, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Um, going back to what the original topic was on, um, it was a great discussion tonight um, about various things, but I know the original topic was about uh, finding the joy and happiness at the expense of others, and I do not think anyone should find joy or happiness at the expense of others. But what I do think individuals should do is to allow themselves to be open-minded and non-judgmental and, every, and understand that everyone is not at the same place we are and understand to try to see things from a different perspective when you're evaluating other individuals and offering your opinion so that everyone can feel like that they're wanted and their opinion matters so we can encourage people to take off the social mask. All right. I want to just thank all of you for your continued uh, support. Uh, our show won't be or can't be what it needs to be without the, the voices of those of you who are all around the country. Uh, we thank you for calling in and just giving your point of view. And we need people to recognize that there are people out here who want to help people beyond their situation and that are not trying to be selfish or take advantage of anybody. We do have a number of people who have moral values and who seek to be a blessing not only to themselves but people outside of themselves. I want to thank you all for being here with me, and uh, just know that you are a blessing uh, to have on this show. Take care, everybody. See you tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Good night.